the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And we were bound to the city light lights are falling to that night Throw a stone, watch your face when you were calling and I was like that I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Big event coming up tomorrow night. Last live event that I'll do this year. In person, good chance to talk investing, talk stocks. Ten Pillars of Retirement Income in Foster City, California, tomorrow night from 6.30 to 9. Um, Good event. You know, I really like connecting with people. Crown Plaza, Foster City. Um, Good location. I'll be there a little bit early and I'll stay a little bit late. If people want to, you know, bring questions or portfolios, you can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Apple has released its WatchKit software development tool. It lets developers create apps for the Apple Watch. So the more apps they have available upon launch, the more interested some people will be. Some iPhone 6 Plus customers are complaining that the camera won't focus properly. Lots of people having that issue. The founders of Yik Yak are being sued by another man who accuses them of cutting him out of the company. Yik Yak is a chat app popular amongst teens. What's interesting to note about this is, you know, you're young, you're in a dorm room, you're in a, you know, uh, a flat in San Francisco, you've got this great idea, you've got a couple, you know, people who are helping you get some stuff in writing. So Yik Yak is reportedly raising $75 million of financing. It's maintained its position as a top 10 social networking app in the App Store for the past few weeks. Cap Alpha Fraternity Brothers, uh, one of them says he was given one-third of the company, and now it's been taken away from him. Very similar to the tale of Reggie Brown at Snapchat. Very similar to what happened to some of the founders of Facebook. Um, just throwing it out there. Uh, get stuff in writing. Super important. Cannot say that enough. Nielsen says they're going to measure Netflix viewing. Even as Netflix and other streaming video providers have expanded to reach 40% of American homes, they have largely remained black boxes. They've refused to share data on how many viewers watch TV shows. Next month, that will change as Nielsen begins measuring viewership of TV on subscription online video services. New measurement capability, which Nielsen meters can deliver without the assent of services like Netflix and Amazon's Prime Instant Video, will analyze the audio components of the program to identify which shows are being streamed. Nielsen's still working on a way to measure subscription video viewing on mobile devices where such technology would not work. So that's kind of interesting, right? Mortgage applications jump unexpectedly. 
Total applications uh, volume rose about 4.9% week-to-week into November 14th. That had to be slightly adjusted due to the Veterans Day holiday. Um, The increase was driven almost entirely by applications to purchase a home, a turnaround from recent months, while refinance applications rose just 1% week-to-week. Target is posting some surprise profits. So that's worthy of noting. Uh, Target posted a surprise increase in third quarter profit as sales in the U.S. topped the company's own expectations. JetBlue, I was talking to someone yesterday about, you know, stocks to buy right now, and I said, you know, you have to look at airline stocks with its low cost of oil. And I said, out of the airline stocks, you know, the one to consider is probably uh, like a JetBlue, someone who could be taken over, someone who's underperformed the peers. Nielsen's going to measure Netflix viewing, like I mentioned. Oh, Staples, this is headline-worthy. They said they're going to close more stores this year after sales continue to slide during the office supplier's key back-to-school selling program season. Um, Kind of expected, right? When was the last time you were in a Staples? U.S. housing starts slip, but permits near six-and-a-half-year high. Permits are all about the future. Groundbreaking slipped 2.8% to a seasonally adjusted annual 1.009 million unit pace. But, like I said, the starts hit a six and a half year high. Giving us some positive things to look forward to, economically speaking, from jobs and demand. UPS and FedEx said they've learned a lesson from last year. Now, they learned a lesson hard last year. Delivery companies were caught off guard when shipments jumped 23% the week after Thanksgiving. Not only was that a big increase, it came earlier than expected. UPS, which previously had treated Thanksgiving weekend as relatively quiet with no full sorting operations and limited number of drivers out on the road, had been expecting the online holiday rush to begin the following week. Other big stories of note out there. Apple's kind of in the news. Apple's and other companies like Google, they're making it harder for police to gather evidence. I don't know how I feel about this. Justice Department is complaining that a new encryption technology by Apple and Google and others makes it harder for police officers to gather evidence. Above, you know, um, all else, is that a good thing or a bad thing? The number two official at the Justice Department delivered a blunt message last month to Apple executives. New encryption technology that renders locked iPhones impervious to law enforcement would lead to tragedy. A child could die because police wouldn't be able to scour a suspect's phone. I don't know how I feel about that. If it was my kid, I'd certainly know how I feel about it, but I don't know how I feel about that. It seems like... I have a brother who is an attorney, and one of the things that he taught me, older brother, and this is this is almost bad advice, and it's good advice. You know, he would say things like, "If you ever accidentally run someone over, put in reverse and kill them because a dead person's worth less than a living person." And he's joking, of course, but he's, it shows you the absurdity of our laws. And another thing that he told me, like, if you ever get pulled over. You know, just give them your name and your driver's license 
and your insurance and you know everything else just go you know thanks so much you know um, don't incriminate yourself if you're pulled over he says that it's basic you know there's it's all gathering information to use against you do you, have you been drinking today? Yes or no? If you say no, and then blood tests later reveal that you have, you're a liar. Or sobriety ch- tests show that you, you know, are inebriated or you know can't control your vehicle, then you're a liar. And it's all used against you in sentencing and you know, whether or not you get uh, it dropped to a, a reckless or what have you. It's interesting to think about. Um, so I don't know how I really feel about the Justice Department upset that Apple makes it tougher to get into our phones. And that's a bad example, but it's somewhere in there. You can find me at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Big event, big seminar tomorrow, Crown Plaza, Foster City, San Mateo, 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning. CFP Chad Burton will be hosting it. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. We live in funny times. And how willing people are to give up information and post information. There was a breakup text that went viral. It's kind of funny. It's kind of cute. But at the same time, it shows you the old, it's not you, it's me kind of you know mentality of America. So even though technology is so aggressive, uh, it's worrisome at the same time. The six reasons provided by the dumper via his text message. Number one, you refuse to update your relationship status on Facebook. Okay, I get that. I can see a couple getting mad about that. Number two, you won't include me in the wedding this weekend. I should have been the one to escort you. I can get that. Number three was, you're rude to my cat that makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> that one I don't get. Number four, you do not share your time equally, and by now your boyfriend should be taking priority. I get that. Number five, your swearing is very unladylike. Number six is you won't disclose how many sexual partners you may have had, which makes me think that it's upwards of three. Anything more than that is unacceptable. Um, boy, being a teenager, being a young person in love is complicated these days. But number three, you are rude to my cat, and that makes me feel uncomfortable. I'm going to try to fit that in somewhere during the Thanksgiving festivities. Uh, Stop being rude to my cat. My cat recently died, Kit Kat, who was with me for almost 20 years. Um, Maybe at Thanksgiving I'll just get up and throw a tizzy and go, you know, you were rude to my cat and now she's gone. That makes me uncomfortable. Kit Kat has passed away. Anyway, with that said, she's almost 20, so... It's all okay. Uh, market's a little lower 
I'm not going to put a lot of it into that. Let's talk a little real estate right now. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's a mortgage lender. How are you, Tony? I'm well. Let's talk about 15-year – well, let's talk about mortgages, their product. There's a 30-year product where you get a, you know borrow $500,000 for 30 years. You pay interest on it. Uh, there's a 15-year. There's a 10-year. There's a 5-year. There's a 3-year. And after three years, if you haven't paid off, it balloons. And suddenly you owe everything, so you have to refinance that, which is appropriate. Like, for instance, if I were in media and I'm moving a lot or, you know – you get the idea. Like, right. So one of the one of the products that's available to people are short-term arms, but they're fixed for a certain period of time. So if you, for example, are moving quite often, you can set the term of that fixed period for the time frame that you plan on staying in that that property. Unless you plan on buying a property and keeping it for a long period of time, maybe turning it into a rental and then moving, buying another property, then moving, you'd get a 30-year fixed. But most people that do that kind of transient work, they're yeah. going to get like a five-year arm because the rate's almost three-quarters percent lower than the 30-year fixed. Why give away money when you can simply just get a shorter-term loan? When I got into this business 15-plus years ago, I quickly learned that a mortgage is a product, that it's great because it doesn't readjust for inflation. It's great because it's a way of borrowing a large amount of money for a low cost that has a tax deduction likely to it. There's a lot of reasons to love it as a financial tool, but that's when mortgage rates were at 8 9% for a 30-year you know, the 15-year, it just didn't make sense. Now, 15 years on a lot of cases makes sense. If you could afford, if you've maxed out your retirement, you don't need to save any extra money for retirement. You, you're saving a lot for retirement. A 15-year versus a 30 does make sense for some yeah. people. As the rates are as low as they are right now, it gives many more people an opportunity to manage that mortgage debt. Uh, a quick example, if you had a 5% mortgage or 5.5% mortgage back uh, in 2008, or for example, and you can turn that into a 15-year today, five years later, uh, your payments might even be the same, and you're going to knock off 10 years off your loan. And that's 10 years of interest that you don't have to pay. So going into a 15-year can make a lot of sense for many, many, many people. Um, the, the spread between the 30-year and the 15-year is something that a lot of people are paying attention to as well. It, it historically is around 0.4%. Now it's up to 0.75, almost 0.8, meaning that there's a large, large spread between those two rates and giving you that payment savings. And it's, but it, what it, there's a really simple formula that a lot of people can follow. You simply take your current loan yep. payment, multiply it by the remaining term, and that equals a dollar amount that you're going to pay to have that loan for that period of time. You take a new loan, like a 15-year, times uh, so it's 180 months, times the new payment, and that equals a certain dollar amount. That's usually lower because you're paying for a shorter period of time, you're paying less interest at a lower interest rate. It, it, the payment might be a little bit higher, so if you can afford it, that can sometimes make a lot of sense. With that out there, it's good to run scenarios, and you kind of lost me a little bit there. I'm a little bit sloppy on my mortgage math, and I need help. I need scenarios run, and I've done a lot of loans with you. And one thing that I'll say is, show me a 30-year, show me a 15-year, show me uh, good credit, bad credit. So, like, I want to see, because I'm a very visual, visual eater. I like to eat data. Uh, yeah, and I got uh, I, and I got that when I first got in the industry in in the mid 2000s. A lot of people just wanted payment, payment, payment. So it's become more uh, of a practice in our industry to to explain these these types of scenarios to people. As a matter of fact, we're required to list out different options for borrowers so that yeah. they can see 
what a 15-year does, what a 30-year does, what are the payment options, if you buy points, if you don't buy points. So these things are now a practice that we do. So I, I can understand that a lot of people still just want to say, what's my 30-year, what's my 15-year, I'll make the decision. There's a lot that, more that goes into it. Every 10 years in my personal property, I like to either take money out or sell the house and buy different properties. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like the 30-year mortgage. I keep my payment low. I build equity slowly. Uh, for my rental properties, I like right now the 15-year mortgage because I'm able to pay them off faster. Depreciation is going to happen. That's fine. Um, but also, I like being cash flow positive. Yeah. And if I can be cash flow positive on a 15-year, done. If I can be cash flow positive by having it paid off, done. Again, with the rates as low as they are, you're able to do that on a consistent basis where you go five years, re-amortize for 30 years, pull some money out. Yep. It's something that a lot of people can do right now. That's why the industry is so... I, I think is one more of the catalyst of why prices are going up because so many people are doing what they call the step-ups. So when I take money out of my house every 5, 10, 15 years by either refinance or selling the house, I'm using the mortgage to sell the house. I'm just selling off 200000 of it every slowly in chunks. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't grasp that concept. It is a very powerful tool, a mortgage, especially if you learn how to use it for your better and not necessarily for the bank's better. That's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Big event coming up tomorrow night. I'd love to see you out there. A lot of information going to be delivered. Ten Pillars of Retirement Income Planning, Crown Plaza, Foster City. Um, you can sign up for the event from 630 to 9 at RobBlack.com. That's RobBlack.com. CFP Chad Burton is going to go going over you know, your nest egg and how to maximize it to have money on the day you die um, or to not run out of money before you die is a better way of saying it. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. I'm going to be going over some dividend stocks that hopefully uh, push you in the right direction as far as uh, getting you ahead. Markets are on the negative side today. I'm not going to put a lot of power into that. In large part, uh, we've had a good month. We've had a good year. We've had a good five years. We've had a good three years. Uh, looking at the day-to-day is silly. Now, again, sometimes you're like, but I want to know, did I make money today? Um, that's the trading people that you need to listen to, um, not somebody who's going to try to get you to retirement. Millennials are having a real tough go of it based on you know financial media. Uh, millennials want to save. But they can't. They're stuck between having a financially responsible mindset and having resources and discipline to pull off long-term results. The survey of 1,000 people, ages 18 to 34, reveals a disconnect between the way millennials think about their finances and what they actually are able to achieve. They think they'll be at least as well-off, if not more well-off than their parents, yet more than a third still receive financial support from their family. Interesting, right? They say they're good at living within their means, but many are living paycheck to paycheck. And while this age group has prioritized reducing debt, many are unable to put away emergency savings. I got an email yesterday from someone who wants to save money for retirement, um, puts $5,000 away each year into a Roth, and says, but if I need it, I want to be able to get to it. No. Don't do it. Have an emergency fund first, and then fund retirement second that you don't need. Uh, you have to get over this concept of, you know, I'm going to take for my retirement to pay for my car fix, my car uh, repairs. Job market is slowly improving for millennials. 
class of 2013 graduates have an average debt load of about $28,400. When asked what represents having financially made it, 70% of millennials said that being able to afford anything like travel and treating friends and families to things was their definition of success. 40% said it was having a career that does good for others, while just 24% said it was rising to the top of their profession. 15% said it was making a lot of money, more money than their parents made. I would say that's fair. Um, 69% of millennials have saving accounts, but most have less than $5,000 in them. And 41% are stressed about putting money, enough money away. So keep in mind, you need 10 to 20 times your salary by the time you retire to live off it until the day you die. So now, again, if you're making 28000 coming out of college, you may need more than 280000 to 560000 by the time you get to 60 and your you know, life changes, okay, costs have gone up. But that's the basic starting of it. You can find me online at robblack.com, robblack.com, big event coming up tomorrow night. I'd love to see you there. Last event of the year, Crown Plaza, Foster City, San Mateo, 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning, 6.30 to 9. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Chickens today are shockingly bigger than they used to be. In just 40 years, they've gone from teeny tiny little, almost meatless things to big plumping birds. I, I don't really know what else to say about that, but it's interesting. The Fed meetings are coming out, or the Fed minute meetings, the Fed meeting minutes, that's what I'm trying to say, are coming out today. In a few hours, three hours, and the markets will be more interested in the discussion concerning the Fed's decision to drop its reference to significant underutilization of labor resources, which had been first introduced three months earlier. The minutes may shed light on the committee's surprisingly balanced characterization of inflation, which could have been considerably more dovish, given the notable decline in key measures of inflation, expectations in advance of October meetings. Something I have to throw out there, um, the markets will change on this. We are in a market that loves the cheap cost of money, and it's helped corporations. Um, we are, you know, Japan's in a market that's got a lot of old people. We're getting there. We're going to have Japan's problem down the road. There's, you know, really no hiding that. Japan's economy is in trouble. The latest GDP figures unexpectedly show it to be in a recession. One-fourth of Japan's population is older than 65, and that number isn't going down anytime soon. 
That means a shrinking percentage of the population is working. Meanwhile, a growing percentage of the population is receiving benefits, living on a fixed income, and being supported by that shrinking population of workers. So no amount of loose monetary or fiscal policy will bring more working-age people into the economy overnight. In the United States, we've got a bulge of baby boomers on the brink of retirement. Some fear the United States will have the same threat. Um, but there's a big difference in the, you know, our economies and their economy. Um, so that's worthy of note. But it's something we're going to pay attention to. And, you know, do we start killing older people once it turns 65? There was a TV show, movie, in the 70s called Logan's Run. And it's one of my favorite movies because, A, it's science fiction at a time that science fiction meant something to me. You know, you're incredibly uh, influenced by media at a young age. Logan's Run was actually a, a novel published in 1967. It was a dystopic or dystopic, a dystopia, ages future society in which both population consumption of resources are maintained in equilibrium by requiring the death of everyone reaching a particular age. There was something called the Sandmen who were charged with enforcing the rule. So you wore a badge on your hand or you had a light put in your hand, a sensor, and when it turned on, it was time to go. Um, In the year 2116, People's maximum age is strictly legislated. 21 years to the day. I'm kind of a fan of this concept. There was Logan's World and Logan's Search. Spinoffs. Logan's Return. Uh, The novel was adopted as a film in 1976. And then I believe it was made into a TV show. Um... In the 1990s, they tried to make a movie of it. Skip Woods was a director, and Joel Silver was going to write it. Um, But I don't think it ever got moving forward. With that being said, big fan of the concept of old societies and the ramifications. And one of the things I'll say on this show, and it pisses people off, and I know it does, and I don't truly, truly mean it, but I hate old people. And the reason being is exactly what's going wrong with Japan at this point in time. Um, We promise too much when people are young and healthy. And then we we forget, like, oh, no. And, like, Social Security was a great concept. When people were dying at age 65, they would work their whole life and retire at 60 and kick over dead three or four years later. But now people are living to 100. So sometimes people work for 40 years and then they retire for 40 years. And that, that would be great if we were a country that took their Social Security taxes and invested it for them, or actually had it in an account that everything you put in, you get back out. But no, we don't do that. We say, you know what, we need a new road. Might as well use that Social Security income that's coming in. You know what, we need to go fight a war. Might as well use that Social Security income that's coming in. We, we'll, get, we'll worry about that later. And that's one of the reasons I don't like Prop 13. I'm, I benefit from Prop 13. Look, my house has gone up. $500,000 in value since I bought it five years ago, I'd be paying a lot higher property taxes if it weren't for Prop 13. Do you be, want to know, be honest? I will be honest with you. I think I should be paying a lot higher property taxes. 
I benefit from Prop 13. I'm in the position that I could pay higher property taxes. And like for instance, the woman that bought I bought the house from, she lived there for 45, 50 years. Her property taxes are about $600 a year. Mine are about 14000 Now, I think I should actually be right around probably eighteen to 19000 right now based on the value of the home. And if I can't afford it, I should move. Yes, it does create some balance, but also corporations take advantage of that. So property taxes that Disney pays on buildings that they bought years and years ago is less than, you know, Universal Studios who came to the game a little bit later. There's a guy in my town that uh, has a restaurant that his dad bought the building for. People won't be able to compete with him because of the property taxes. Anyway, big event coming up tomorrow night in San Mateo. Uh, you can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. It's actually Foster City, which is San Mateo County. Uh, but that's going to be on income and retirement. Learn more at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Out again, a siren screams at half past ten and you won't Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can always drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. i got a big event coming up tomorrow night. In the Bay Area, hopefully I will see you there. Maybe you fly in today and come out to the event tomorrow, Crown Plaza, Foster City. It's an event tied towards income and retirement. That's the scariest thing that I face in my life. Will I, I have I have I spend a lot, and having income and retirement means I'm going to draw down my assets a lot. So it's something that I think about. So I will be at this seminar learning about things like Social Security benefits, outliving your savings. Uh, retirement expenses, tax-efficient investing. Let's bring on CFP Chad Burton to push the concept a little further. How are you, Mr. Burton? Doing well, doing well. Three years of portfolio cash draws in cash. Uh, that's real important. Um, what's the concept of having so much cash in retirement? Three years just in cash, liquid, feels like a lot. Well, yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about, you know, market history earlier in the hour and then two times um, in the last, you know, 100 years that the market has been negative three years in a row. It's only happened twice, late 30s and uh, and then 2000, 2001, 2002, but you always have to prepare for those. You never know when the next bear market's going to be here. And when you're young, 
timing the market doesn't matter. You and I both know that. We've been in this for well over 20 years. Never met, you know, long-term successful market timers. It just doesn't happen. If they time it getting out, they can't ever time when to get back in, and they lose out on upside. So um, timing the market when you're young is you just keep plugging away. You keep saving. But when you're older, timing the market means a lot. And the reason why is because you can time it by not making withdrawals when the market is down. It's very, very key so you can let your portfolio recover. So to do that, you need to say, okay, what has been the worst-case scenario in the last 100 years, three years, where I don't want to draw on the portfolio? You calculate what your portfolio draws are, and you always have at least three years of that sitting in cash, safe investments like CDs, things like that, so that you don't uh, basically increase the, the declines by taking a withdrawal at the bottom. So it means a lot to have that, that safety net in retirement. Okay. So it's just kind of um I'm not gonna say a safety net because that's kind of the wrong way of looking at it, but yeah, it helps it right. helps it it helps you even out market volatility. Um right. that's have we hit that pretty good, do you think? Um yeah, I mean it's just a difference between, you know, where you have that cash, right? Sure. Where's the best place to have that cash? Yeah, and that that actually is gonna change a little bit because when once you get to retirement you are probably drawing from all your different accounts. And so the question is, is, okay, where do I have my cash? If I'm drawing, I'm taking 100 grand a year of income and I'm drawing 50 from my taxable accounts and 50 from my IRA, does that mean I have cash in my IRA? That's what a lot of times people can't really fathom because IRAs, you know, when you're young, you're investing for growth, right? Um, but it changes a little bit. And that's why you need a really detailed withdrawal plan, very tax efficient tax maximization plan. And that doesn't always mean pay the least amount of taxes now. It means pay the least amount of taxes on average over your retired lifetime. So the first thing you have to do is design that tax efficient income plan that details where the money's coming from. And that is kind of phase planning because it's different between retirement and age 70 and a half where we're always fighting the IRA tax trap. And what I mean by that is that we look to the IRA first to maximize the tax bracket. And we could either be withdrawing it and spending it, or if you have a lot of uh, you know, diversity in your accounts, in other words, you have cash accounts, you have taxable accounts, you have IRAs, we might be converting 20, 30, 40, 50,000 a year from your IRA to a Roth between the age of retirement and 70 and a half. So you can fight that IRA tax trap. Fight the, at 70 and a half, you have to take the required minimum distribution. So by going into a Roth, and maximizing your bracket every year, you can reduce your required minimum distributions after 70 and a half and create a tax-free account. Okay. Then at 70 and a half, it's going to change a little bit. So um, at 70 and a half, you have to take required minimum distributions. So what you have to do is do an updated plan and say, okay, how much are my required minimum distributions? It's usually somewhere between four, it's around 4% of the account in the beginning and it goes up. And, and if you're taking more out of your IRA than, than the dividends and interest, then that amount that's above the dividends and interest, you need three years' worth of that in cash inside your IRA, just like you need three years' worth of portfolio draws in cash in your taxable accounts. Okay. Um, do you have a Twitter page or Twitter handle? I do, at Chad M. Burton. Okay. Do people ever contact you via that? Um, I, you know, I get, I get followers on it, but um, not a lot of correspondence. I don't know, how, about, how about you? Do you get a lot of... Twitter back and forth. Maybe it's because I, I don't it, check it enough. But I get it about one a day. 
So I'm at Rob Black Show, by the way. Um, so let's talk asset allocation. Uh, what does a typical taxable account look like in retirement versus a Roth versus an IRA? Well, the Roth depends on what it's for. So a lot of my clients, when they have their Roth IRAs, it's kind of uh, either they're going to let it grow tax-free for many years, so it's kind of one of the last places that they'll draw on in hopes that they'll be able to leave a tax-free account to their heirs. So a lot of times the Roth is pretty aggressive, longer-term piece of the investment program. Um, because if you leave a Roth IRA to your grandchild, they can roll it into an inherited Roth IRA and have tax-free growth for the rest of their life. So it's, it's a pretty cool estate planning tool. If you're taking income from it, then it's going to be one of your most conservative accounts and have normal bonds inside of it. So the Roth depends on what it's for. Taxable accounts, typically in my taxable accounts, I like to have a mix of dividend achiever stocks. Those are companies that pay a dividend and they have a history of increasing their dividend by around 10% a year. And the other half or portion of it in California tax-free bonds. The taxable accounts are pretty simple. Then in the IRAs, that's where I'm going to get everything else. I'm going to get my less tax-efficient stuff, like normal corporate bonds, REIT, small cap, international, emerging markets, things like that. So you really have to design what your household asset allocation is and then pick the right accounts to put it in so that you're paying Uncle Sam the least amount of money possible. Anything else that we need to know about this topic or the seminar? Yeah, I mean, in terms of what's, what's important about the tax about the asset location is that, for example, if you have corporate bonds and you don't need all of the interest yet, well, why would you hold that in a taxable account when you can have it in your IRA and you determine when you pull the income out and pay the tax? Um, so it's, it's also a matter of design. Again, the, the key that we talk about and what I show even with examples is how you turn on the dividends and interest cap. You have your three years worth of portfolio draws and cash. You have to feed that. That's your job in retirement. Okay. And so you look at it every quarter, and you're spending your dividends and interest, and then you might maybe spend 20 grand of cash. And if that quarter your portfolio is up, you know, 30 grand, you take 20 of that gain off, replenish your cash, and rebalance with the rest of the $10,000 gain that's left in your portfolio. If the market's negative, you don't do anything. You just rebalance the portfolio. You don't make any extra withdrawals. So you're doing it on the positive side. Market's positive 70% of the time, so 70% of the time you should be looking at that strategy. Thanks very much. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Also, you can meet him in person tomorrow night uh, or Thursday night, better way of saying that. Uh, Ten Pillars of Retirement Income Planning Seminar, Crown Plaza, Foster City, San Mateo. Good two and a half hours, three hours. Bring your portfolio, bring questions. Sign up for the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. You can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. Tomorrow night, Crown Plaza, Foster City.
Gasly is concocting a drink that could burn calories similar to exercise. Trying to stimulate the metabolism in a way that moderate exercise would. Instead of 20 minutes of jogging or 40 minutes of cycling uh, to boost your metabolism, you'd just drink a beverage. Woohoo! <laughs> Lovely, right? Oh my, and uh, we're digging up woolly mammoths. That's fun. Uh, Buffalo is buried under six feet of snow. Thus, we need the woolly mammoth. Woolly mammoths roamed the earth 4,500 years ago, and they've died off. Um, scientists still don't know what ultimately drove them to extinction, but we're getting close to thinking about cloning a woolly mammoth. There's a film out now that uh, hits this topic pretty hard. With that being said, let's talk about real estate. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Let's talk about paying off debt in order to get that loan done. Uh, what would stop a loan from getting approved with debt? A high debt ratio. Okay. Uh, Dodd-Frank uh, implemented qualified mortgage rules. Lenders are, are sticking to it. Um, you know, there are ways to go over it with better credit, better equity, but for the most part, 43% is what they call the back-end ratio. That's all of your debt combined with the new mortgage payment with your taxes and insurance. So uh, credit card debt, car payment debt, student loan debt, any debt that you have adds to that ratio on a monthly basis. And uh, there are lenders now that will allow you to pay off that debt part of a refinance in order to qualify for a loan. So, for example... Let's say you have a 50% ratio with all of your debt. You have a $20,000 credit card with a $500 payment on a monthly basis, and you have you know, 25% equity in your home. Well, you could simply refinance. Sometimes you might get a higher rate, hopefully keep the same or lower, and you can get a double benefit here. But for dollar for dollar, that $20,000 is usually $1 for every $3. So it's 60-something percent lower in payment. Yeah, you might go pay interest over a period of time, but it allows you to save money and manage that debt and, and get that refinance done. This also works where, um, you know, with, with auto loans as well. Okay. I've seen people, I haven't seen anybody do student loans. That would be actually crazy. In some most cases, that, that payment is incredibly low compared to the, the debt balance. Some of them are. Some student debt, you know, if you're not. I have seen them creep up recently, yeah. uh, but I still wouldn't, I just don't, I just don't, I feel really uncomfortable unless you're talking to a CFP or a CPA. And that guy's calling me and saying, hey, this is what we're doing. I've authorized you, you know, this, this borrower to do this kind of transaction. Um, you know, this brings up a good point. You know, there's a lot of people that are doing transactions, uh, and they still do transactions over the last few years after, you know, getting a huge scare, of, you know, and, and a, a reality check and how risky mortgages can be. They're still making transactions without the advice of, uh, you know, their, their circle of trust. You know, those, those people, that the CPAs, the CFPs, that should be, you know, guiding them through this. Okay. And and I know you agree with this. Is you know that people make some strange money decisions. I saw a guy write off his kids' college tuition on his tax returns. <laughs> you know, it's like we had to wait another year just to get him done because it took away from his income. So people do crazy things. The real estate process is crazy in the first place, and don't complicate it by making like they're going to check your taxes now. Yep. Like, make sure you have a PDF copy of them. Um, Otherwise, you're going to be, you know, Xeroxing your your brains out. So that's one of the things I love about having an accountant is, you know, he, he CPA he just does the, you know, PDF and it's always there and it's nice. It's, yeah. um, a lot of self-employed people need to be with, especially if they're doing a transaction in two years, 
within two years to go with, go to their CPA and say, um, and their loan agent, and have them work together and say, what do I need to qualify for? Because you don't use your gross income on on self-employed. You use your net income. Back in the day of liar loans, did you still have to do um, tax returns? Uh, no, <laughs> no, okay. it was, it was, you basically s- said, I work in this industry okay. and then they, the, you, you'd state an income and then they would, they had a website that they would go to that said, okay, this type of industry to say, I'm a, you know, I'm a plumber for, I'm a master plumber or master electrician. How much does that make in this zip code where you live? And it'll, it'll set up a dollar amount and a scale, a little chart. And if you fall within a certain variance, you, you get the, that you'll allow that income. Crazy. Liar loans were crazy. One of the you know, I, I, frustrating situations arise. I refinanced an office building that I own, and they wanted to do an appraisal. And what do you think an appraisal would cost? I, I know how much an appraisal costs for a, a for property. So okay. it's probably over $1,000. $5,000. Yeah. And it, it's tough because the comparables in that area, nothing sells. It's right next to a courthouse. So once someone buys it, they typically keep it forever. So there's no comparables, and that's why they're jacking up the appraisal fee on it. Um, so they were literally going to do like a, a really personal, detailed. Yeah, that's that's something that you, we talked about appraisals and overvalue and and so on. And you know, comparables is a big issue right now with low inventory, um, and that's another reason why people have to be concerned about you know that appraisal. Yeah, thinking about that, you know, the home that I own, it would have tough comparables because it's it's such a unique street. So you go one mile. Half a mile, half a mile away, and it ain't the same. It ain't the same community. I, I heard a realtor say that they said, "Well, you're going to pay forty thousand dollars more than the appraised value." He says, "But the but the, the realtor says, but your house now became a comp." <laughs> That's Tony Mendez. You need a loan. You need a refi. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, invested, and more. CVS. Have you ever been in a CVS and you? You know, purchase maybe a pack of gum, and you get a receipt that's like nine miles long. In reality, it's three feet long. And all you wanted was some Tic Tacs, right? The chief marketing officer had something interesting to say about it, and it's tied towards their loyalty program. That's to blame for the long receipts. As part of the loyalty program, the company includes coupons on receipts in hopes of bringing you back. For members of the loyalty program, receipts are tailored to include coupons for items the shopper might be interested in. Um, of course, their championship shoppers or their big shoppers get bigger receipts. Uh, but they also said, that, like, hey, we don't have to mail anything to you to get you to come back, and that saves paper. Kind of interesting. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. You can find me at Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Been growing a beard recently. Not quite sure why, but I have. And you can see a copy of it if you go to my Facebook page, Cron4 Rob Black. Uh, you see me on air from yesterday on television. Uh, let me know what you think. It's my last gasp at being a, a poser. So, uh, so want to be that guy who's moving in next door to you. And uh, is young and 20-something with a beard. Uh, the poser, you know. Anyway, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. could use a phone call or two, message of love or two. If you have a problem relationship, I can help fix it. If you have a problem with money, I can talk about that. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. 
big event coming up tomorrow night. Would love to see you there. Um, at some point in time, I'm going to go away and stop doing these things. But for now, you can meet me at Crown Plaza Foster City, San Mateo. Ten Pillars of Retirement Income Planning Seminar. I'm going to go over dividends and how to find them and what looks more attractive than others. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. I know what you're trying to say, baby. You're trying to say, oh, yeah, it's business time. Joining me now, the one, the only, Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist at Briefing.com. Tuesdays, I get to talk with Chief Market Analyst Patrick O'Hare. Wednesdays, I get to talk with Dr. Jeff Rosen. How are you, Mr. Rosen? Oh, pretty good at yourself. Good. Now, today is one of those Fed Open Market Committee minute meeting release days that I guess I should just cancel you on these Wednesdays and talk to you on Thursdays because it's all about tomorrow or all about what happens later in the day. But what do you expect from the Fed open market making minutes? Nothing. I mean, I think you're going to still find that they're discussing when, uh, you know, the economy will be on track for rates to rise, what conditions they're looking at. Uh, but I don't think it's going to deviate from anything that we've heard Fed speakers say. Um, personally, I think the minutes are, are overblown. I mean, they're, they're six weeks old. You're getting much more informative information uh, from the, you know, week-to-week speeches that we see from, you know, all the Fed presidents, so, you know, or Fed governors. So waiting for the minutes to see the same thing that you, you know, get more accurate information, you know, and and more current speeches. Okay. With that said, uh, the market does pay a lot of attention to it and reacts in dramatic swings at times. Uh, Are we still on the pace for higher interest rates in 2015, and uh, job market numbers are improving, so maybe that's earlier than it did? Yeah, it's it's very difficult to say when the rates are going to rise. I mean, if you look at the overall economic conditions, unemployment rates are at levels that are normally associated with an economy you know, closing in on full employment, which would mean that uh, you're, you should be seeing some upward wage pressures, which should drive uh, inflation higher, which is normally the sign of an overheating economy. Currently, the inflation growth is still below target, so there's no need for an immediate uh, reaction to raise rates. But you know, a target of you know July or September of next year, which is what uh, the Fed futures are pointing at, you know, makes sense. I think things are, are moving on that uh, on that path. Housing starts were reported lower today, down 2.8%, but single-family market shows some strength. Um, permits were up, six-and-a-half-year high. How's the housing market playing out in your eyes at this point in time? Yeah, the overall housing number has been kind of you know, topsy-turvy lately. Uh, since June, we've had an up-down month, so you know, it goes down one month, up the next. So 
you know, it only made sense that since we had a, you know, a gain in September to see a decline in October. And a lot of that is coming because we're seeing volatility in the multifamily sector. I was pleasantly surprised with the strength in the single-family sector. Uh, I was expecting, you know, a small gain in that area, but not as large as what actually occurred. And single-family construction tends to be a very stable and a very um, – secure area. So the fact that we saw movement in that, you know, gives us hope that construction trends are going to start to improve. And we had the NAHB survey that came out yesterday, and, and I am notorious for not liking um, sentiment indicators, but it did say that, uh, you know, home builders believe that conditions are improving, and we know that supply of single-family homes are low. So it would be a good starting point to you know, drive construction higher, and it seems that home builders believe that as well. Other stories of note out there in the world of the economy, uh, we recently saw producer inflation remaining tepid in the United States. Is this something we're going to need to worry about in 2015 and or not there yet? The question is really how much slack is there in the labor market? If the labor market is you know, weak. You know, if, if a lot of people that were discouraged have left, but, you know, we figure we'll re-enter the labor market soon. And if we believe that the unemployment rate is masking an actually worse uh, employment sector, then inflation growth isn't going to come for a while because we need to have a tighter labor market to drive higher wages. And you need the higher wages to drive inflation. So, you know, until we start seeing wage pressure, you know, I, I don't believe we're going to see much, if any, uh, you know, core price growth. I mean, we may see movements in inflation on the commodity sectors, more of, the, of global uh, trends, and especially if, um, you know, global economy can get out of its rut and start accelerating in 2015, you may see some more pressure. But, you know, looking at domestic production, domestic growth, inflation, you know, and service areas and stuff like that, it's going to be difficult. So you know, I still see benign inflation for, you know, at least another six to nine months. One of the big stories that we've been seeing play out for 20 years is Japan has an economy that has a lot of old people in it, and this is creating growth problems. What stops the United States from having the same exact play out that Japan has had of struggling to get their economy going again as we get older? Well, the United States isn't declining in population, and I think that's the difference. You know, we have a, you know, a healthy, if flawed immigration system. Uh, you have still, you know, U.S. citizens having kids. So the population growth aspect is still moving higher, which is needed because in order for economic growth, you have to have uh, increases in labor or an increase in production. And a lot of times it's easier to have labor than it is to increase productivity to, to drive growth. In Japan, you have the labor components going negative. So the only way you could have GDP growth is if productivity improves. And, you know, that's a hard thing to do, especially the way you know, the situation is in Japan where savings are high and, you know, you just don't have the uh, necessary inputs to, to drive growth. Now, if Japan loosened its immigration system and, and started to try to attract 
uh, people from outside of Japan, you know, maybe from Korea, from the Philippines or whatnot, and increase their population, they'd be in a better situation. But uh, culturally, Japan is not a uh, a country that you know looks for uh, immigrants to come to this country to uh, to, to boost production. So I, I don't see that happening. Anything that you're working on, Dr. Jeff Rosen, that you think we should be paying attention to? Well, I was looking at um, a piece last week that came out, or came, actually the data came out a couple weeks ago from the Tax Foundation on uh, state uh, business tax climate. And I ran a series of statistical models to look at how changes in state tax rates uh, impact economic growth. And what was interesting is that, you, you know, especially in the last campaign cycle, you kept hearing cut taxes, spur growth, cut taxes, spur growth. But if you look at the actual empirical data from uh, 2014 to, through 2006, so the last you know, nine years, what you've seen is that changes in the tax rate have had almost zero impact on economic growth. We've seen some sector growth, so like the manufacturing sector, for example, has seen some uh, improvements in payroll gains uh, when states reduce uh, their uh, taxes, but a lot of that is because reducing taxes is done as an incentive to uh, bring in manufacturing uh, production, manufacturing plants. So, you know, that would be expected. But, you know, for the rest of the economy, payroll growth, you know, income growth, wage gains, you, know, you don't see much, if any, evidence that uh, reducing taxes will improve uh, economic gains. Thanks very much. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. He always has excellent content that you can find at Briefing.com. Uh, but he also joins our show on a weekly basis to give us some economic insight. Um, don't bet on economic growth from a drop in state taxes was his last thing that he brought up. Um, state business tax climate index for 2015, you know, best states, worst states, they're out there. Um, and the economic growth that you can get from either or. Uh, there's no economic argument that reducing taxes can spur economic growth. It follows the fact that higher profit margins allow for greater business investment or expansion. It also follows the idea that lower tax rates would be an incentive for more people to find a job because of higher disposable income. He says, in truth, current state taxes are not prohibitive of economic growth. He's using the Laffer curve as an analogy. Tax rates are left of the revenue peak. So... States that try to spur growth through changes in tax laws may not see much, if any. Anyway, uh, worthy of note, he's a smart guy, and he writes some smart opinions at briefing.com. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, the I don't even have to hit this, do I? Um, the woolly mammoth that was found... It's pretty amazing stuff if you watch the video. Um, you know, the, the animal was trapped the, in the, the new documentary, was trapped in a peat bog and eaten alive by wolves. Not a good way to die. Grim fate, right? But its well-preserved body may provide, you know, a lot of clues about these animals. 
you know, they used carbon dating to determine that the mammoth, you know, which was nicknamed the lovely name Buttercup, was alive 40,000 years ago. Uh, it first evolved around 5 million years ago, but went extinct 4,500 years ago as the Earth started to warm. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. In the documentary, a scientist actually takes a bite of the meat. Wow. <laughs> Pretty disgusting. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. So Starbucks is doing something kind of cool. They're rolling out what could be a turning point in the wireless charging battle. They've activated in San Francisco 1,500 spots within 200 stores in wireless charging. Now stop and think about it for a second. Wireless charging. We heard about the technology a few years back, but we're still toting around our cords and our adapters and plugging them in, looking, getting on our hands and knees, looking for a, a jack to plug them into. Um, now what we're going to need is, to use this technology, you kind of need an adapter. And, of course, Starbucks will sell those adapters for $9.99. They'll also have some loaner models for use during the initial rollout. There's three separate color-coded models with options for old and new iPhones, as well as the micro-USB connectors used on most Android devices. Um... For the technology the companies that San Francisco is using is a company called, called PowerMat. And it's pretty cool. Um, you know, there's some obviously problems with it. People want to use their device while they're charging it. So setting up locations and, you know, the rings, you know, the power mats that you have to be, you know, on top of or clear near is going to be interesting. But I think we all welcome that day. Now we need for companies like Apple and companies like Samsung to build wireless batteries into, wireless charging batteries or capabilities into their phones. But good for Starbucks uh, taking that much-needed first step. Target posted a surprise increase in third-quarter profit as sales in the United States topped expectations, a promising start for the new CEO. Again, it's still way early, but it's nice to see. JetBlue is adding baggage fees um, and cutting passenger legroom as the carrier is looking to improve financial performance. And uh, JetBlue once was a kind of a rogue company that didn't have a lot of the legacy costs. And it did very, very well when it first came public. You know, compared to Southwest, compared to United uh, Airlines, American, Delta, it was kind of a rogue. It was it had its day, so to speak. On a day when the market's, you know, struggling a bit, they're doing okay. Um, 
800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, millennials are a focus on the show because I want to get them saving for retirement, to get them towards re- you know, a big nest egg. But also I care about the baby boomers and the Generation X. Uh, sometimes I'll do stories like you know the bus drivers you know, who are having a problem right now. Yeah, um, shuttling Facebook employees from their homes in San Francisco to the company's Midland Park headquarters 30 miles away. So you keep hearing about these grueling schedules, and they only get paid when they're driving. So when they're waiting to pick up people, no, or waiting in between runs, they don't. They're not on the clock. So they have five unpaid hours off in the middle of the day. They're prohibited from finding other employment during that time. A lot of the bus drivers become restless, and they're saying, you know what, we need to unionize this. And probably will happen. Facebook's Menlo Park, California campus has become a popular tourist destination. If you haven't seen it, it's on 1601 Willow Way, Willow Road. And uh, it's got a big thumbs-up sign out on the outside. A lot of people take their you know, holiday photos in front of that big thumbs-up sign. But it shows you some of the ramifications of, you know, hey, things aren't smooth always. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, it's easy to fall prey to luxuries in your life. The biggest problem I see with, you know, being a young adult is not living within our means. Um, before you do anything else, you got to look at your income and your budget and start saying, i got to live within my means. And luxury items are easy to say you want, you want, you need, you need. I recommend people spend one hour a week focusing on your finances, reading about it, updating your budget, taking a look at your bills, making sure that you know your charges are your charges. If you can't do one hour a week on your finances, I think you're going to hurt yourself pretty aggressively. Americans owe an estimated $1 trillion plus in student loans. The average amount per graduated student in 2012 is roughly $29,000. Um, you're lucky if you're under the age of 30 and don't have student loans to pay off. Um, you are the exception and not the rule. Um, and I want people to start taking advantage of their 401k. I think that's the very best way for people to um, get to retirement is maxing out your 401k, diversifying it, rebalancing it, and doing it again. I don't like maxing out my 401k. I would like that money every year to go buy a car or something along those lines, but I do it still, and I do it as I have to. Um, I see no other way of funding my retirement other than a big, fat um, nest egg, so to speak. I know that Social Security won't do it. Um, Steamrollers don't move very fast. They can still be deadly, right? If you get run over by one. This market isn't moving very fast. It just keeps plodding along. We've had better than expected earnings reports this week from Lowe's, Target, PetSmart. Um, Decent numbers on the housing market index. Gauge of builder confidence. Housing starts were revised higher to 1.038 million, and that kind of took away from one month to the next from October. Uh, But permits were real strong, and that's worthy of noting. Gold is tanking today. I own no gold. I see no reason to own gold at this point in time. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. 
big event coming up tomorrow night. I'd love to see you there. It's going to be at the Crown Plaza Foster City in San Mateo, 6.30 to 9. You can sign up for the retirement planning event tied towards income and dividends. I'll be talking specifically about dividends at robblack.com. That's robblack.com tomorrow night in San Mateo, Crown Plaza, Foster City. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.